0: Well, the theme for our stewardship campaign this year focuses on that last part of the Lord's Prayer. Um, Some of you Bible scholars, you might be saying, well, Kevin, you know, Jesus didn't really say those last words. I mean, it's not recorded in any of our gospel stories about Jesus teaching his disciples to pray when they say, teach us to pray like you. Well, you're right, it's not in the Gospel, but it is recorded in the Didache, the earliest Christian worship manual that was written at the end of the first century around 90 CE, just after the canonical Gospels were written. And you might be asking yourself, well, why would our apostolic mothers and fathers add these words to Jesus' prayer? And the reason is because this is the why to the prayer. This is why we say, give us this day our daily bread. This is why we ask for forgiveness. This is why we plead, deliver us from evil. Because we know that God's kingdom is continually breaking into our world. We've seen God's reconciling spirit in our own lives and in the life of the church. And we know that we were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So for the next two weeks of our 2024 stewardship campaign, I would encourage you to think about where you are called to share your blessings for the glory of God, where you're called in your own life, in the life of your family, and in the life of this congregation. So as we approach God's word today, will you pray with me? Holy God, may your loving spirit calm our hearts and still our minds, that we may hear your word for us today. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, dad's death surprised us all. I mean, he was in the prime of his life, and everything that he did, he was successful. Well, except family, maybe. You know, he would always say, those grapes and those grains, they don't grow themselves, as he would hurry out to the field. He was always off on his next big project that required his full attention, be it purchasing land from his neighbors or upgrading the aqueduct to extend the irrigation of his fields or to build bigger barns to store the bounty of his abundant harvest. Dad loved the farm. He loved his grapes and he loved his barns. And everyone said that he was blessed, but nobody called him a blessing. When I asked him why he didn't just sell the excess of his harvest, he told me, why would I sell to hungry people today when they'll pay twice as much tomorrow when they're even hungrier? That's what a good farmer does. Well, that's why I left farming and I became a fisherman. I wanted nothing to do with that farm. I mean, fishing is an honest profession, even if it's a modest one, because let's face it, you can't store fish. My older brother, he stayed on that farm. He loved farming, he loved cultivating the grapevines and gathering in the harvest. And he loved Dad, and we both did, and I'm sure that dad loved us, but in all my years I can't remember him saying that. His love language was work, providing for the financial security of his family, even if that meant that he was never present there for us. He kept his feelings stored away, just like his harvest. I can't remember him ever inviting neighbors over to share in that bounty. Well, God, di- our dad died right after his latest and greatest barn project. And now I'm not a greedy person. I'm not greedy. I just want my fair share of the inheritance, just one third of the farm. Because I want to give those things stored up to those people that really need those goods and those grains. But my brother won't give me a shekel. Well, some of the guys that I've been fishing with down in the Galilee, they've been talking about this new rabbi that came down from Nazareth to the Galilee. They say he's a healer. They say he can cast out demons. I don't know about all that, but They haven't stopped talking about the wisdom of his Torah teachings at the the synagogue in Capernaum since he left. And I thought, what better person to to settle our personal dispute than this renowned rabbi? So we went to see Jesus, which was a little harder than you might think because there were crowds all surrounding him, trampling over each other, everyone trying to get near to hear what this man had to say. And when we were almost there at the very front of the crowd, all of a sudden, he ducks out for lunch with the Pharisees. And he comes back and he's all upset and there's all this talk about Jesus not washing his hands. And he says, beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and beware of their yeast. And then he launches into this sermon about don't fear death because God knows every hair on your head. And I said to myself, wow, maybe this isn't the best time to talk to the rabbi. But I'd been there all day and I was close enough so I gathered up my courage And I raised my voice and called out, Rabbi, tell my brother to share the inheritance. And he turns to me, and he calls me a friend, and then he chastises us for asking him. I mean, that's what a rabbi is supposed to do, right? Who does he think he is? And then he calls me greedy, me, and then... He turns to everyone there and he tells this story about my farm, about my family, about my father. So hear now the words of our Lord as told in the Gospel of Luke. The words are translated from Greek into English this way. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build up larger ones. And there I will store all of my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry." But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Jesus' parable about the foolish farmer is as characteristically countercultural today as it was for that crowd that leaned in to hear Jesus' teaching. Remember that proverb that we talked about maybe last year about the ant who stored away all that he needed for the winter? I mean, it's extolling the virtues of saving. It's just like what the farmer was doing. It's just like what Joseph does in Egypt, storing up those grains for famine times. I mean, isn't that the responsible thing to do? To save and to store for the safety and security of the future of our family. Well, here's the thing. Jesus is not giving financial advice here. He's giving soul advice. The foolish farmer's only concern is his soul's well-being. Consulting with his soul, comforting his soul, consoling his soul. Notice there's always I and mine. I will build bigger barns. I will store up my grains. I will say to my soul, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I mean, you would think that he was the only one on the farm. The farmer's foolishness is not that he saves for the future. The farmer's foolishness is believing that filling his barn will fill his soul. He is foolish because he thinks only for himself. He is foolish because he thinks his salvation is all about him. He's foolish because he has forgotten that God's blessings are meant to be shared with others for the glory of God. We, my friends, are blessed to be a blessing to others. And this is how we give glory to God. Our giving connects us together as a congregation. It connects us to our neighbors and our community. It connects us to our faith. And one of the privileges that we have here at WHPC is that we have the resources to connect with ministry and mission around Austin and throughout the world. Our pledges go to allow us to partner to feed people in working with Manos de Cristo and Mobile Loaves and Fishes. It goes to help families with Chaz and with our Afghan refugee ministry. It goes to build housing and relationships at Community First. Your generosity allows us to connect to our community in care, either at book clubs or weekday luncheons, at the preschool, at Westlake Storytelling, at Men's Quarterly, at Scouts, at the Gathering, at Divorce Care. I could go on and on. Your commitments continue to provide staff and programming for all ages and stages of life, from the preschool to the senior men's Bible group, from Sunday school classes to life groups to youth groups. Your giving helps maintain this beautiful space where we can come and worship and pray and praise and learn and play. We give for the glory of God, recognizing that all that we have comes from God. And we give in gratitude with the assurance of the Apostle James Who tells us? Are you there? Thank you. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave birth to us by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits for his creatures. This is why we chose that title, For Thine is the Glory, for this year's stewardship campaign, because it is the why. Of the church. It is the why of our faith. It's why we do church. It's why we share. It's why we give. It's why we teach. It is why we are here. We do these things together to bring forth the fruits of God's kingdom, working together as the hands and the feet of Christ in this broken world. This is how we give glory to God. For God's is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.